Welcome back to I Talk Shit and Read. This is Ro, your host, and today I talked with L.L. McKinney, a writer, poet, and active member of the Kid Lit and YA community, about her debut novel, A Blade So Black, which is a reimagining of Alice in Wonderland, where the question gets asked and answered, what would have happened if Buffy fell down the rabbit hole instead of Alice? But the thing that has always confused me with that, when you speak up on something, you always say before you say anything else, I went and looked at whether it's a book, yeah. it's an article, or I went and asked this person. Yeah. And then you speak. Well, and I've spoken on this before as well. And a lot of people don't understand it. Like women of color and we don't get to be wrong about this type of thing. If we come out and say it, it's because nine times out of 10, we've done our due diligence because we can't be wrong. If we're wrong, any way whatsoever, then that's a reason to discredit all of us. If just one of us is slightly off on the details of something. So I'm not going to say anything. Like the first thing that I did say, this is what the blurb says. And having not read the book yet, this blurb is a problematic premise on its face. Like the blurb itself. I'm Everything that I started off with was based on the blurb. Then I went and read the story. So yeah. And yeah, like I thought it would, the story held up to everything. But you were better than me. I'm not going to lie. When I saw the marketing going out and I was putting together the list of books that I might be interested in for end of 2018, 2019, and 2020, I read that blurb and I was like, nope, I'm good. I'm not going to lie. Anytime you sit in your marketing room and your strategy is to try to tell me that something is colorblind. <laughs> right? Nothing else comes of this. It's the colorblind no. thing. Like, that's it. That's it. Yeah. So f that's where I was. I was like, the second anybody feels like they need to tell me that, I know that somehow, some way, a person of color, usually black, usually female, is about to be the building block of somebody else's life. That she's going yeah. to be exploited, or she's going to be derided, or that there's something that was off. And at that point, I was like, I don't need to read that. Because it's the same right? logic behind all of it, you know? Like, I'm good. I promise I'm good. We don't have to go through it. Yeah, so you were better than me. You went and got an arc, read the book, and said, you know, this is coded this way, and this is what yeah. it means. And But that's one of the things I liked when I was reading your book. And I've read a bunch of the different articles and commentary of people when they're talking about a blade so black. And a lot of them feel like, even in the Kirksis Refute, they felt the need to make a point of saying where race mattered or well this person presented this way but in wonderland all of these things are amorphous and i'm like no they weren't what would you read it's pretty clear to right? me right yeah um wonderland doesn't have races but alice still says this person looks white because she's from the human world and but you can't just ignore this it's whatever i've never it's understood fine. technically no nobody's <laughs> korean but Zalong looks korean <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, read, she does. Yeah, she does. I, and you described it in, in what I think. What I always love in books when people are trying to find ways to describe people, what they look like, and I understand the deep difficulty of it, especially when you want to. I don't know, not use food for a comparison, right? 
And I was like, okay, see, you gave people personality and character as well as physical attributes for people to latch on to, to make a mental picture of them. And you didn't pretend it's not what you were doing. So many books try so hard to tap dance around this nonsense that we end up with this whole thing where people still think it's the safest. Oh, well, we're, it's colorblind or race doesn't matter here. It doesn't exist here. And I was like, but does it exist for the person who's interacting with that person? Because that's going to be information they receive in process. And your heroine is someone who comes from a world where race and ethnicity and femininity and masculinity and all these different things exist. And they matter in the context of how people are dealt with. Yeah, it might not matter to the people from Wonderland. But it matters to Alice. You know, the idea of colorblindness is, is an utopian goal. But we're not there yet. So let's not pretend, right? Like, let's, we're not. And to think that colorblindness is something to aspire to outside of we need to work towards being able to view everybody the same as opposed to, no, I don't see that. Those are two different ideals, in my opinion. Saying, no, I don't see that is not the same as everybody needs to be treated equally. That's two different things and colorblindness doesn't do the second one the way that it should be done. I don't think it's possible. Grew up it's in, not. No, I grew up in North Carolina, but for the first 10 years of my life, I lived on a military base. If you got caught making racial, religious, or ethnic, infer- even just inferences, you can get in trouble. Like even as just kids. Yeah. And it wasn't about them trying to make everybody colorblind. It was about them saying, these are things that don't factor in to how you are going to be treated, evaluated, or you're allowed, We what what behavior we permit. Yeah. I think that pretty much has colored, <laughs> pun intended, I guess, how I look at everything else from that point. Because I don't think you can pretend, as a person of color, you telling me that you don't see color there, you just started this whole thing by telling me there's a part of me you refuse to see. Exactly. That's not the same as, oh, we should all be equal. Not at all. No. It's not the same. So for you to try and say, equate the two, tells me that, one, you're not ready to have this conversation at the level we need to have this conversation. It's going to be a waste of my time. You need business cards that say, come back to me when you're ready. And just hand them to people. You should just make some. Yeah. With an expiration date, that way people from like 20 years can't come find you 30 years later, you know. Yeah. Like, oh, no, boo. Yeah, you're like, I'm sorry, this expired. Um three months ago. So I'm good on you. But when you were writing the book and you were building the world, I love Alice in Wonderland. It's one of my favorites. And I have a, and I collect Alice stories. Like one of my other favorites is Looking Glass Wars. I like that one too. It makes you happy. It's it's the best Mad Hatter I've read. Okay. I may have to take that back because I'm really digging what you're doing. But outside of that, for a Hatter being a true Hatter, it was the best Mad Hatter I'd read. When you were picking Alice and trying to decide how you were going to orient her in the world, why did it end up being this type of Wonderland? I'm just really curious about that. It ended up being this type of Wonderland because I wanted to explore how fear is a tangible thing for certain communities. Like, it affects our way of life. Fear affects how we talk to our children about just simple things like going outside to play. This is what you can and can't do. This is where you can and can't go. Yeah, your little friends are doing it, but you can't because they will shoot you. Like, things like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And it not these things are done out of fear of harm being done to our children and I don't have any kids um but I have nine nieces and nephews and 
I see my sisters give these conversations to their kids. And there are times where, you know, they'll come and they'll ask me, mom said this, is that really how it is? And it's like, yeah, baby, that's really how it is. So I wanted to explore this idea of fear having a physical effect on the world and not just through monsters coming out and doing what it is they do, but also through people being monsters. Because one of the things that I didn't want to have happen was I didn't want to be saying, yes, this stuff happened, and the people who do this, it's not their fault, they're being affected by monsters. Well, yeah, that's kind of what happens somewhat, but at the same time, it very much is their fault because you can't be like this. You can't just, I don't like the fact that she told me no, so I'm going to go shoot up the school. There are people like that, and it has nothing to do with what people say about, oh, mental illness and blah, 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 because there are most mental illness people who don't go around doing this kind of stuff. Yeah. It's entitlement and it's privilege, and it's not being used to being told no. I wanted to explore that aspect of things. I really liked how you built in the nightmares, and it's it's abundantly clear from the front that there's this one world... And all the negativity from it is directly impacting this other world. And through no choice of their own, they are forced to deal with the outcome and the negativity of that other world and how it manifests in their world. And I think it's really interesting to hear you talk about that. It was you wanted to explore the concept of fear, but still not give people the out because that's kind of how it felt when you were reading even at the beginning when she runs away from the hospital you know she's had made a conscious act it turned out to be stupid yeah but and there was an immediate consequence from it but even when she got saved she still had to own what she did to put herself in those circumstances and i think that really set a tone for how alice developed in her character development and how she approached other situations in her life because you gave us the internal struggles she was having when she was choosing to say disobey her mother or disappoint her friend or if she was going to engage with this boy or was she going to be honest with the people who she was working with to fight in wonderland every single step that she took she always had that initial awareness and it was kind of at least to my reading a part of the reason why she could see through the veil and see wonderlandian people and creatures which is part of what made her special but it was something that was also so very missing sometimes from the character development of ya characters so i kind of got really interested in that like her conscious awareness of even when she's about to do something stupid and her willingness to own it um as much as i love YA, but i don't see in YA into this story the awareness that teenagers have when they're making decisions usually it's i'm gonna make this relatively stupid ignorant decision because oh my god teenagers and teenagers are dumb and blah 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 no they're very intelligent even though they don't have the decision-making resources because their brains aren't, you know, developed entirely because they're still children. Um, But they are still very smart. And a lot of the time, they know what they're doing. You know, they have thought these things through. Yes, a lot of the time it is emotional reaction, but they're much, much smarter than many of these books have given them credit for. Alice knows, you know, she she goes, okay, I can either disobey mom and this happens, or I can do this and this happens. Like, these are decisions that she has to weigh as easily, well, not easily, but just like she would have to decide, do I wear the Tims or the Jordans? She has to think about these things. They're presented to her. It's not just the whole fly by the seat of your pants. I'm an emotional 
being because I'm a teenager and we don't use our brains at all. And then things like with her mom being there is another thing that I didn't see in a lot of the books that I read. So I was like, I'm, her mom's going to be there. So that changes the dynamic of the story. Yeah. Entirely. If you have a mom who's like, where the hell are you last night? Okay, you're not going anywhere else. Can't go save the world if you're grounded. And every time she breaks away from that, she gets in more trouble. Like, there's consequences for her decision to, yeah, I'm going to sneak out. It's kind of worth it because it's saving the world, but this is going to cause problems later. Like, she realizes that as opposed to this whole, no, I have to go save the world, consequences be damned. It's like, no, and I'm going to have to deal with that later on, and I need to make a decision that that's what I would rather have to live with. Those consequences are what I would prefer to live with other than the other one. Yeah. And people don't give teenagers enough credit for making decisions like that. Like, it's not that she doesn't think there will be consequences. She just, she made a decision. She chose these consequences over those consequences. Yeah. And people don't see that. Well, I really liked it because I liked the fact that you didn't make one decision seem so much more ominous or heavily weighted over the other. Like, like you said, Tim's or Jordan's today, disobey mom or, you know, not make it to my friend's party on time or go over to Wonderland one more time and see if I can figure this out. But everything had, that's what I felt was different with the way that you handed her as a teenager. Everything had the same level of urgency to her. So it wasn't that one decision was more important than the other is that every decision was just as important as the other. And I felt like that kind of gave her a more realistic maturity. And mm-hmm. and then you tie that into the fact that you gave me like 9,000 flashbacks every time she got in trouble with her mom. I was like, really? Do you know my mama? Have you met her? Because... That sounds like some mom- <laughs> I was not okay. I was not okay. I was like, you know what? I'm going to have to go home. I'm like, I'm reading the book going, I'd have to go home because I'm scared of my mom. I can't get ground. There's no sneaking in my mama's house. It's like she has radar. Yeah. She'd come home. No. If she that, wasn't, that was, I was mad at you. I, I pulled from my mom and my grandma because that was a thing. Like, I know that people joke about, oh, I'm glad we didn't have the internet back in the day because some of the stupid stuff that I did would be everywhere. And then in the back of my head, I'm like, yeah, but a lot of probably still wouldn't have done it because we were more scared of our moms than we were of the feds like yeah <laughs> you know I was, take I was, me to jail not back home like that yeah. is it's the choice of jail or home i'm going to jail, jail please. i'm going to jail i'm pleading guilty i'm not there's no offer of proof necessary your honor i cannot go home like i've actually said that when i got in trouble when i was younger i got a bad grade at school and i deliberately missed my bus and my teacher came up to me and she was like, what are you still doing here? I'm like, I can't go home. She's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I right? got to be minus in your class. I can't go home ever again. Yeah, no. She's like, Rhonda, it's still a passing grade. I'm like, have you met my mother? Do you know what's going to happen? I'm like, this report is going to beat me home. She's going to have checked the mail when I get there. I'm going <laughs> to die. I have to live in this oh, cafeteria. Man. I can never go home again. So it was, but it was really also refreshing that not only did you have a mother who was alive, that she was present and aware and in involved and it wasn't kind of like you used her as a red herring she was real their life was real you know the things and the concerns that her mother had they weren't like the the flighty paranoia of a helicopter parent her mother was dealing Mm -hmm. with some serious problems with what was happening in the neighborhood and as a parent trying to figure out how do I keep my child safe yeah It's I, I like getting reviews where people are like, I didn't see her mom as overbearing. She just seemed like a normal mom to me. 
And I'm like, yes, because she is. But to her teenage daughter, she's a lot. Like, you have to realize that everything in the story is from Alice's point of view, including kind of this blurb. In her eyes, her mom is being overprotective. Yes, her mom has points, but, I mean, it's kind of cramping her. I mean, and that's just how you feel as a kid. Like, you don't realize a lot of things like, wow, mom, thank you so much for doing what you did. Now that I'm an adult, I see it. Like, when you're a kid going through it, you're just like, oh, come on. Exactly. You know. Especially if you're a kid who's now been trained to take on some badass baddies in another world. And now you back in your regular world and you're like, I got this. It's cool. I can I can handle this. You know, yeah, mom is fine. Like, she's like, I'm, I'll be fine. Like, sh- like, I don't know if I can dodge a bullet. And that's a real fear for Alice. She's like, maybe I wouldn't be okay in Brian's particular situation. But everything else, I mean, let somebody try and mug me on the street. It's not going to go the way they think. You know what right. I'm saying? So Alice is very capable of taking care of herself. But she can't reveal that to her mother because mom's putting the kibosh on the hope that you're doing what and going where? Absolutely not. Right. I don't care if you are gifted at this. You're like black belt, knives. I don't care. I'm your mother and I say no. And I like the fact that you could hear that when they spoke, that her mother actually had real authority in their house and in their life. Because that's the other thing that even when you do get worlds where there are parents, there's just this, this passiveness that like they become a background noise to this child who's su- more important things going on than to listen to mom. So mom becomes background noise. And I really like the fact that you never let her real world and her real world problems fall by the wayside because of what was happening in Wonderland or the decisions she was making in Wonderland. And I liked how one of the dilemmas that she had before, I don't really know any other way to describe it to say before she gets extra real <laughs> with her job yeah. was... I can't keep doing this and honor my commitments in my real world life. And, you know, that's a whole different conversation that you don't generally tend to think that a teenager is going to be having. Of Should I retire from my job? I mean, right. you know, but it's real because a lot of fantasy yeah. books that build these special kids with these special powers never have them have this type of hesitation. You know, it's always like, can I betray these people or is this? You made a real world hesitation of can I keep doing this when I'm not the one who's going to have to suffer the consequences if I am overwhelmed by the risk and I lose one day? Can I do this to the people who matter to me? And I thought that was a really great way to kind of build her character development and her maturity around because it made it more reasonable when you started bringing in elements that are like romance. Like, you know, she still gets tongue tied when the boy who she thinks she likes or who might like her or who she's friends with. But then she has this other relationship with this person who it's mentor mentee, but it also has these deeper elements to it. It made all of that feel much more tangibly real as a part of the story. And it made it feel more logical especially as the bigger reveals of what's going on and who the other players are in wonderland starts to come about because what i wanted to do is particularly if stuff that goes on in the real world doesn't affect stuff that goes on in wonderland and vice versa then it makes a decision of you know when it comes time to make the decision oh do i do a or b well clearly a because b has no consequences so if she gets in trouble in the real world before she decides, you know, she's going to retire and then that gets kicked to the side. It's like, well, you guys, if I get grounded, ain't nobody killing nightmares. 
So I got to go home today. Like, I can't do this. Right. You have to figure it out. Like, we can either meet in the middle and come up with a way to take care of it for now, and then I deal with it later, or I can deal with it now, and then I don't deal with anything else for like a month, because that's how long it'll be before you see me again. There's no alternative. Like, we have to keep mom appeased, or at least keep her off my back, or you don't have a dreamwalker. Right. That's just what it is. And I thought that was really great, especially when you built it into her friendship with her best friend. Because, you know, there are lots of books where there's a sidekick or somebody's got the cue or the man in the chair. And it always seems like that person is self-effacing and self-sacrificing. So to have a a real life teenage girl who's like, no, I matter. And the things that matter to me are just as important. uh, Anything you may have going on, no matter how big you think they are, I still matter. Yeah, I really enjoyed Courtney because Courtney is like, you are awesome and you do all these things Alice and you're so much and somehow you managed to still be you know here and being a good friend and when it seems like that might change I mean she has what I feel is a real real reaction in that time of life where it's like 18th birthday is a big deal you know Mm -hmm. now that I'm 30 plus not so much in hindsight but when (laughs) I was 17 it meant the world to me, you know. Yeah. And so I didn't want to dampen that because I know some adults really are like, I don't understand the drama with her friend. It doesn't make any sense. Like, well, you clearly don't remember having a fight with your best friend over something that now you see is ridiculous. But at the time, like, it was world ending. These things were in our world ending because for a lot of these kids, their world hasn't expanded to include these grandiose things that we now think about, you know, adults. It's not like they're having to make the decision, do I pay this bill or that bill? Or who's getting the late fee? Or is it ramen for a week so we have the lights on? You know, stuff like that. They're not thinking about things like that. It can trickle down to them, but they're not the ones making those decisions. Right. And for life, for, for this drama to be present, like if it wasn't, for, it wouldn't feel real to me because Alice has the literal task to save the world. She has to deal with her mom and she has important relationships with these people. So they're going to fight and they're going to fight about things that people their age would fight about. You're my best friend. We do this every year. It's my 18th birthday and you're going to miss it. I mean, Courtney doesn't know why Alice missed it. As far as she knows, Alice just flaked on her. Right. Because Alice was unconscious and Maddie and Hannah aren't thinking, oh, we should call Courtney and tell her that, you know, Alice can't make it to her birthday. No, they don't care. Courtney has no idea. And it's not until later on when she realizes, oh, she almost died. Wow, I was kind of a dick. You know, that it's, that's how it works is after the fact, you're like, I was really stupid. I'm sorry. And you cry and you hug it out. It's, I don't know. People who are like, there's too much teen drama in this teen book. I'm just like, really? But it didn't, I, okay, maybe it's because it's the different level of their relationship because I never saw it as just teen drama. I saw it as she was upset because her friend didn't keep a promise. And exactly, I don't think that changes with age. The circumstances nope. may have felt juvenile, but they're juveniles. So you deal with that. Like if you're reading this and you get hung up on what she's mad about is she wasn't at a party, then I got questions about how well you treat your friends and how well right. you keep your promises. Because the key thing that I locked into was, you know, first she's like, you didn't no one told me anything and you weren't here and you just promised me you just promised me this wouldn't happen you swore to me you would do this that you were all in so it was about breaking that promise and then the reason why she if you aged them up 10 years and you made this a wedding it would be the same right you were supposed to be my maid of honor and you weren't here and neither were my shoes you didn't show up 
you were late with my shoes to my wedding or better yet, I didn't have a ring like yeah you were supposed to plan this event you promised me you would help and you've been incognito now some people would just call that person a bridezilla but if this is her best friend and they've this has always been the plan and then that person isn't there yeah this is what you get I'm not talking to you they're there with no notice right it wasn't like Alex was able to say oh, I'm not going to be able to be there in three days. And Courtney's like, ugh, whatever. It's no, like day of, she's still expecting her to show up. And then she doesn't. Right. I couldn't understand why Alice hadn't done a better job of trying to make the people she was working at had her and everybody else understand that thing she was navigating in her real life. You know, I get it. They're old beings and their focus is bigger and the impact of decisions for what they understand are huge but that's i i I get why you didn't do it because you know where's the drama if you did but i was just like see (laughs) (laughs) but i was like see see this is not her this is y'all fault y'all should know there should be a phone tree but i'm and I, i gave this book to a friend of mine to read and he was like, I love this book. Can I keep this book? I said, you know where the bookstore is. No, you cannot keep my book. You will. Because <laughs> he's like, this is great. He's like, the colloquialisms and the slang that you used, look, they're perfect. I mean, the way that you built the relationship between the friends, even when you brought in romance, which I'm starting to not like in my novels, just because... It's Listen, just... I, okay, so I'm a person where if, if nobody wants to hook up with nobody, I'm good. I don't need the romance. It's whatever. But then like as you're editing, they're like, can you increase this a little bit? And I'm like, when, when you say a little bit, do you mean like a teaspoon? Cause that's what you're going to get. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't do this. I'm not a romance person. It's a, nothing wrong with romance, but I just don't need it in my story. And I'm the type of person where, okay, so there's going to be a romance where we're going to make this all kinds of weird for everybody. Like it's, it's, she's going to like him and she's going to kind of like him and she might maybe like her because she's a teenager and you're not tied down and she's not like acting on any of this. She has feelings. So let's go with it. We're going to have feelings for all these really hot people because they're all really hot. Right. And it's hot, you know, and she kind of thinks this guy is super cute. She doesn't know how old he is because he's immortal and it would just be weird to ask. So he's cute. And her friend is like, yeah, well, I mean, go ahead, do the thing. So it's, that's, that's where I am with romance is, yeah, do the thing. And so that's why there's not very much in it. Um, but I liked it. I like, I like the fight. I, I, I will happily write a fight scene over a romance, but I'm happy to include it. Okay. The so way that I want to include that it. makes me tell you that you need to go see Battle Angel Alita. Okay. Um, because it will make you really happy with the fight scenes that they did. And honestly, the way that they started to build Alita in that movie, I was like, that's Alice. Alice would do that. My friend's like, who the hell is Alice? <laughs> Alice in Wonderland? I'm like, not your Alice, Myla Alice. My Alice got Afro, it's fine. But, um. <laughs> my Alice got Afro. I need a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, that would make a good t-shirt and I would de- I would wear it. I might design it if I do, I'll send you one. But yeah, so when I was looking at that and I was watching the way they built it, it's like the the difference between that character and this character is this character is not a loner, but she seems to function best alone, but she can't. Yeah. You know, and the way they've done the origin story for what they're doing for Alita is they're she's kind of a ronin. So, but I still got that same vibe with what you were doing with Alice. Like all of these things that are happening in her life are real and she's learning to navigate them, but she's also learning to listen to that place inside that says, you know what to do, go do it. Yeah. 
I'm like you like you're 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 waffling over all these decisions but at the end of the day you know what it is that you have to do to take care of the people who matter to you and you can do it right you just have to believe like you just got to get your muchness on point you can do it that that's one of the things that i another thing that i saw happening in a lot of YA books is that a lot of the characters were very um People say, well, you don't want your character reacting to things. You want your character driving the action. And I like it to be a mix of both because if you don't see how a person reacts or responds to a situation, you don't really get to see who they are. If they're always the one directing things and they never have to go outside of, oh, I had a plan for that, then you don't get to see anything. So I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of half in love with that sort of uh writing advice and at the same time i'm like mm, it depends on the character of the story because alice reacts to a lot that's going on and a lot of it has to do with well teenagers have a lot of agency but they don't have the type of agency particularly if you write from like a contemporary point of view that changes is, is world changing not on their own it so right. she does a lot of reacting because that's what this is it's what it's like at that phase in life is stuff is going on and well, what the punch is or you change course like half the time you're not the one making the decision you know you're the one living with the decision and that can be hard right but all of this from wonderland to her regular life is a series of circumstances in which she's forced to react and i i really i really like that because that's life you can be as proactive as you want like i said i went to bed last night with a plan i even wrote things down like i was really gonna make it happen today and i got up and the morning introduced me to what the circumstances of my day were that i was living with and i was like well there goes that plan react yeah but a lot of people treat reacting like it's thoughtless and i like the way that you built especially when it got back and i don't want to spoil because i want people to read this book um when they got back and she realized the real source of the danger like where it was you know that she had been thinking too small and part of it was after hatter revealed who he was and why he was so convinced the bad guy couldn't be who or what he said was you know Mm -hmm. like that she's still reacting but now she's right reacting with more information so even when she thinks she'd be proactive and okay now we can make a plan and we can do these things she's still being driven by consequences that are beyond her control because she's not the only person making decisions and mm-hmm. it's very rarely especially in a contemporary book that has a, a deep fantasy world that's like the alternate universe i feel like sometimes people miss the world building because they expect it to be more grand and grandiose you know this this is much more subtle world building and uh, yeah be- it's threading the needle and pulling the connection to put together the dream weaver how everybody is attached and you can't really i don't think you can have a book of this type that has action and has people with deep motives and has high magic and has hierarchy of how people are and then pull it into a contemporary world with all of the things that comes with dealing with us as humans because we are jacked up without without this more subtle brand of world building because you still leave room for your readers to make guesses or to make an assumption and then wait to see if it's proven to be correct and i think a lot of people have gotten this idea that every fantasy book has to do epic fantasy style world building in order for the world to feel complete but one you're not done it's the first book yeah Yeah, thank god um because i think i might (laughs) actually have passed out i got to the last page if this was the only book i might have been trying to find your actual address not to do you harm but i might have become annie and you might have been in a room with a typewriter going i'm gonna need you to finish this 
just so you know. Like, no, this is not where it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. I mean, Mm-mm. even if the rest of the people don't know, yeah. I need to know. I got reams of paper. Me. Do you prefer a tablet? Do you want a pen? But you're going to finish this. This is going to get finished. <laughs> that could have happened, Elle. It could have happened because I was like, this is really good. So I was really confused at some time when I heard people saying, well, the world building could use more. I'm like, what the hell more you want in an opening? It's an origin story. Ho. What? Why, why do people have problems with a good origin story? You stop laughing at me. I can hear you laughing at me. Well, I feel it's, <laughs> I feel the same way. But, you know, it's unprofessional or whatever when you address these things. Oh, pitch, pitch. I mean, I'm still the type of person that I'm going to address it one way or the other. I might not come at you at it, but if you say something sideways. Yeah. You know, and it's like, but you don't like love triangles, but you have Twilight listed as your top three. All right. I guess. Sure. <laughs> you know, things like that. Or I'll get, there's some where somebody was, one of the things as I don't think this is written for teenagers because it makes a lot of Sailor Moon and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle references and teenagers aren't talking about that. And I'm like, what teenagers do you know? I don't, they just rebooted both of those. Right. Both of them. People even have ice skating routines to Sailor Moon. The fandom is real. It really is. And it's generational. And people who didn't grow up watching Sailor Moon now have their own Sailor Moon. It's new. It's been out for like, what, three, four years? But even if it was a vintage, understand. but even if it was a vintage reference, it still works. Some of the best things I've ever discovered yeah. was somebody mentioning it in passing as like a pop trivia type thing in a book. And then I go look it up and then I'm broke because like I had gone and bought stuff. Listen, story <laughs> of my life. Um, and this is like, do you not understand geek culture? Because like when we find out about something new, it doesn't matter that it came out 20 years ago. I'm going to go check it out. That's what we do. Like and we were just saying. And we talked about it like it happened yesterday. We confused people yeah. like, oh, when did that come out? 1982 or 71. Why? Just watch it. Yeah. Yeah. So I it's didn't. awesome. I didn't get those. It, I just felt like, okay, I love romance novels. I love romance. I, I read pretty much everything. But I really feel that if you're going to take someone who is still emotionally developing and put them in relationship situations, that it needs to work. And I feel like a lot of books imply adult love interest storylines and imbue them in YA. And that's why they don't ever feel like they have any real substance or depth. I I like the fact you're like, well, she's fine. He's pretty. I really love my mentor, you know, because that's what would happen. You know, like, I'm like, is it tr- she's got some transference? I mean, or is she really, really like him, you know, or, you know, yeah. is this just nerves because he's someone she's around and he's starting to look at her like he sees her as a person or or is this over here, this this hum she gets when she sees this girl, you know, is that the business? Is that the thing that felt real? Yeah. It felt logical. The same way that you didn't ignore the fact that everybody kind of had a different ethnic, cultural, and class standing. Yeah. You didn't make it feel like it needed to be the driving force behind everything that was their world, but you didn't ignore it because, you know, not colorblind. But, um. Right. It's, it's funny because a lot of, I've had so many people like, oh my God. I'm team chess and some people are like, oh my God, I'm Fihada. And I'm like, you, you shouldn't be team anybody because at this point I'm still developing the story and I could kill a lot of people. So don't get your hopes up. <laughs> right. But See, how did I know you were the kind of person who's going to threaten me with death? Do you know Pierce Brown? <laughs> are y'all friends? Have you talked? Cause that's what he does. And it's, it's, well, cause it's a lot of it is I have written out so far in the story 
And as I'm going, I learn new things that the characters don't reveal until that particular chapter. And so I'm like, oh, okay. So this happens, and then that happens. And even though I use a plot, it, it doesn't really coalesce until it's on the page. And even then, it can change if something else reveals itself in another way. And a lot of people um have come... And they're like, okay, so is there a romance? I mean, I know they kiss at the end. What's going on? Is she like 132? And I'm like, okay, so here's the thing. What's Wonderland? Time in Wonderland works really, really weird. If you've seen the movies and read the book, apparently she takes like a five-minute nap. And then like two weeks passes while she's in Wonderland in that five minutes. And then in the new movies that Disney does, where it's, it's like Johnny Depp and the guy, what is his name? Alan Rickman and all them. Those people are standing there for like, what? For like 30 seconds or something? Yeah. And like a whole week goes by. And so time isn't really a thing in Wonderland because one, they don't have a sun that they circle. There's no sun in Wonderland sky. It's just light. And they have light day and night and they have a moon, but they don't have a sun. And that's just because a lot of the things to do with the moon and that'll come up later, but it's it's symbolic. So as far as time is going, he's not like if you were like, hey, he's a hundred years old. Well, no, he's existed for a hundred years, but for him, he's 19, pushing 20, maybe. Yeah. Like, that's that's what it is. Like, in his world, it's like when you have elves in, what is it, Lord of the Rings. They don't age normally. They're like 30 years old and still walking around looking like they're seven. That's, that's you know, that's their maturity level. Yeah, I mean, so there are plenty they, of... He has existed for 30 years, but he is maturely seven. He's still a child. <laughs> yes. But there's a lot of books in fantasy that play with time and time is really amorphous. I don't understand why anybody would get particularly hung up on that with your world. I mean, she goes through a damn portal, for Christ's sake. She's clearly going somewhere other. But yeah, no, I looked at it. I was like, well, you know, sometimes he does dumb stuff like he's not 100 years old. So he's probably not mentally Earth 100 years old. (laughs) Yeah, and then when you find out what who he is and what he's done and the decisions he was making i'm like oh yeah he's a child he's dumb that's big dumb he didn't think any of that like, through till it was too late he stayed with his queen out of loyalty and he kind of had a crush on her and that's what you do i mean he yeah he's a kick-ass fighter but he's a babbin he is yeah always. he's a babbin and it's it's fine he's let him be a babbin maybe he'll grow out of it in another hundred years maybe i mean he's been living in the real world so he's got a little bit more maturity to him now that he's, you know, oh, I'm around humans. I have to act like I'm old enough to own a bar. But he, yeah, no. Yeah, but I as like it. As far as Wonderland age, he's barely legal. He's like 19, so. Yeah, but you get the sense that everybody has some maturity problems when you start thinking in sense of who you meet in Wonderland, how they talk, and I'm like, y'all are all real young. I like because yeah. like you know they get there and she meets one of the princesses. She does everything but a foot stamp. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. she's oh, she's one of my favorites to write because I'm like I'm a put everything from my little sister to her, and they're not even gonna know, and she's gonna be a total brat, but it's gonna be okay. Well, it worked. <laughs> it worked. I'm like, she's getting on my nerves, but it's not her fault. She like eight, but um, like maybe 16, <laughs> possibly, maybe not. She a babe. But I, I like that. I like the fact that everybody felt they were at a comparable maturity level dealing with something world breaking. Not just you need to save the world. If you don't save the world, somebody's going to break it. And you've yeah. seen a little bit of a taste 
of what it would look like if the world gets broken. And oh, by the way, that little bit of taste almost killed your ass. So you yeah. should probably figure out how not to die. It would be in everybody's best interest if we didn't let this happen. Right. So. And, you know, homie's treating you like he treats girls. So you need to, you know, you need to deal with his massage noir and kick his ass. You know, use it against Thank him. You. And I, I really liked how you built those elements in. Like you kind of had, I don't know what, I, they didn't feel like subtext to me, but someone's like, oh, it's this little subtle play on like the patriarchy and sexism. I'm like, what the hell was subtle about it? <laughs> like it didn't feel subtle to me. I'm like, they were sexist as hell. They said sexist shit to her face. Yeah. Like just gonna show up in her room. Like he not even scared she could cut him knowing she's a badass. I was like, really? What was subtle? Like when you were building in kind of those dynamics and like, I hate calling a gender politics but that's kind of what it is or at least the yeah. terms everybody recognizes now where did you feel like you wanted to draw the line on that kind of stuff i didn't want to i wanted to as opposed to like drawing a line be like okay well see here i'm drawing a circle and the circle starts here and i'm going to go around and around and by the time i complete the circle you don't realize it's actually a line and you may have crossed it depending on what size you're on okay so it was one of those things where it was like, I want it to be obvious for people who will recognize it. And then for people who don't, if they go back and look at it again later, they could be like, oh, because my experience is particularly with um, with kids and teenagers in particular is they're smart. They can figure out things on their own if you don't push in any like extreme influence. Right. They can re they they can pick up on something's not right about this. I can't say what it is exactly, but I recognize it's not right. And I didn't want to like beat anybody over the head with it because then people just in general like to reject. Oh, so you're telling me up front that this is a problem. Well, I don't even want to look at it as if it is a problem because why would I want to listen to you? You know, it's sort of like I don't want to say tricking them into thinking it was their idea, but that's kind of where I was. Going <laughs> but you tricked for. them into thinking it was totally their own idea. You did. Yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of that thing where it's like, let me tell you why you think my opinion is the best opinion. Yeah. Not why my opinion is the best opinion and why you think it is. So, I mean, yeah, I get around to saying that my opinion is the best opinion, but now you think that this is why you believe it's that way. Thus, meaning. You do believe it, so win-win. Yeah. So that's that's kind of what I wanted to play okay. with that with with um and with I mean this is stuff that you're we sneaky deal with and that girls deal with like even at that you get like there's some dumbass boy somewhere saying stuff like this there or in some way I mean it it happens and I wanted to also provide like that connection like oh well, she's a badass and she kills monsters and she still has to deal with this you know yeah that's where i was i was like seriously she done killed all these people who are still gonna talk to her like that why am i why are we here why do we try mm -hmm. yeah no it works but you're sneaky you're sneaky <laughs> that's a compliment <laughs> but yeah i i I generally tend to like that when more subtle and it's easier when you're recommending a book for somebody when you know they're like a savvy teenager or a young adult like a literal young adult and yeah i don't really like it sometimes when some articles get written about books and they start talking about oh the subtext and the allegory i'm like what shut up let them read it don't 
Don't yeah. tell them. Because then you get boxed into how someone else has described the analogies that you're using, which then can color how somebody is reading something. And I really yep. felt like there was a lot of organic development between the characters. There was a lot of organic development of how the world was built. And I thought the pace was deliberately awkward because um, people are awkward and nothing ever goes smoothly and there are hitches in plans. So that yeah. really... That actually really worked as a form of story pushing for me. And I, it makes more sense now when you tell me that you really like action scenes and um, writing those over the love stories. But I still felt like you made everybody care. And if I'm anybody's team, I'm team Alice. So I'm not jumping yeah. on because uh, I'm sorry, you like curse somebody in the first book. I'm readily aware you gonna kill some people and it's probably gonna be some people <laughs> I like. So <laughs> I'm hoping that Alice makes it through all the way intact, you know, and by intact, I mean still Alice. So she still could yeah. lose a limb, but I'm just saying. And you giggled when I said that, so I know you're gonna murder somebody. This is great. great. Well, I'm not I gonna mean, make it through the second book. It's war. Mm-hmm. It's somebody it's kind of the law at this point with these kind of <laughs> stories um but there's always like there are times where it's like oh somebody has that well let me just create somebody new and they can do it. and then you wind up really liking the new person that you created so now you're like damn it what do i do now so it's yeah without giving anything away we go through some things oh, in book two, but oh, it'll be okay that's what you it'll tell okay. me now but when i pop up and see your email going i'm not okay just so you know. <laughs> It'll be okay. We'll, be, we'll, be, we'll get through it together. It'll be okay. And can I say I really loved all of the titles for the chapters? <laughs> that I, was one of my favorite parts. Man, how did you decide which ones you were going to use that were actual like quips from the Alice in Wonderland canon versus the other ones that were going to be from implied something into what you were writing? When I start out a chapter, um, I'll usually either I have an idea of where I want the chapter to go, like a hard, this is it, or I'll have like an amalgamous, okay, so I want them to get from A to B. I'm not entirely sure how they'll do it. And then as opposed to A, B, C, D, boom, 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 I've got it. So sometimes I'll have in my head, oh, this is the chapter title because this is what they're going to do. Like the chapter title, The Black Knight, where Hada reveals who he is. Um, I saved that chapter title. I didn't know where it was going to be, but I knew I wanted it to be where he tells them, no, nah, that was me back in the day. Right. As opposed to the new Black Knight. So, like, not letting him be introduced as, a, like, there were decisions for that. And I also knew there were going to be times where I wanted to use Jaws that bite and Claws that catch, because I happened to really enjoy that poem from Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. And curious um, and it's a very curious. visual. Yes, and curious, and that one is, it's, I almost try to like if you go through and you read the titles i try and tell a little bit of a story like you can maybe guess what's going on but you won't be able to know exactly what's happening like jaws that bite oh well there's monster probably or like the one that was best laid plans and i i turned to the page i saw the title and i said oh god (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's like if you know the reference then know what's gonna happen yeah possibly but you don't know how you're sneaky. So, I can't. I I can't say it enough. You're sneaky, but it's good. Just mix of, I know exactly what the title is, or the title might not come to me until after I finish writing it. Like I know that I wanted to do the curiouser and curiouser, and I thought that was going to be its own title, the two of them together. But then when he just says it the one time, I'm like, hmm, okay, 
And so having written the chapter, it then informs what the chapter title is going to be. As opposed to, because I know some people are like, here's the chapter title, here's the, and then I write the chapter. Sometimes I won't know what a chapter title is until I've written two or three chapters. And then I can say, oh, okay, this is them in a row. Because I can't have and curiouser until I have curious. So it was sort of this weird, not map necessarily, but I kept a separate document where I would shift them around as needed be. And then at the end, I went through and made sure they were all lined up. Yeah. Because I flipped through, once I realized they all had chapter headings, I was flipping through and I was like, I'm not going to get anything else done today. <laughs> some of these are from the Jabberwocky. Other these are direct reference out of the canon of Alice. And some of these, I don't know what they mean at all. And I need to know what the hell they mean right the hell now. I didn't get anything else done. Yeah. But if you have, I, I know what the official synopsis is that people have for they describe this book. But how do you describe this book to people when you tell them about it? I tell them that it's an Alice in Wonderland reimagining. It honestly drives me when it's slated as a retelling and it's all a marketing thing because mm-hmm. I was talking to like my editor and my marketing team and they were like putting it out there when you know the arts first started going out like it's a retelling of Alice in Wonderland like but it's not like half of these characters weren't there in the original one and we're in Atlanta now so no Wonderland is real it's not you know so I, I like to call it a reimagine and I like to say that it's almost in honor to Alice in Wonderland. You know, it it, it doesn't pull the storyline necessarily. It more is an homage, kind of. Um, and that's why I say that it's Alice in Wonderland mixed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And instead of saying, you know, what if Alice fought monsters, it's what if Buffy fell down the rabbit hole? Because Alice is more Buffy than she is Alice, like from the original Alice. Right. She's more... This stuff is affecting my home life and my school life and my friends, as opposed to this is a wild and crazy world that I kind of have to figure out. And I spend most of my time here. Like we don't spend entire, well, in the first book, we don't spend a whole lot of time in Wonderland. You know, we talk about it a lot, but most of the book is in Atlanta. That's what I like to tell people is that it's an Alice in Wonderland reimagining that is Buffy the Vampire Slayer mixed in with some of the whimsy of Wonderland. And it both asks. And answers the question, what if Buffy fell down the rabbit hole instead of Alice? Okay. Because that actually fits better. Yeah. (laughs) In my opinion, yes. Yeah. No, it really does fit better. This isn't Alice enough. Like, people have gotten mad that it wasn't Alice in Wonderland enough. And I'm like, I kind of didn't write that way on purpose. I'm sorry they lied to you. I wasn't in control of that. But I was happy about it. So just just so you know, there were just as many of us who were like, I don't know if we need another Alice in Wonderland. But then I read this. I'm like, but I'm really cool with this Alice. This Alice is cool. I like this Alice. This Alice works. So then once I realized I liked this Alice... I was like, okay, well, let's see what happens when she goes to Wonderland. I like the fact that you kept the world rooted in Atlanta because it drove home the point that the consequences of this world were spilling into another and they were Mm -hmm. forcing people to react in ways that were detrimental to both worlds. And, you know, if you want to be allegory prone, that's a really big one for dear white people. (laughs) Yeah. Here's what you're doing. (laughs) What my main thing was with this one, and the difference is, is like if it was an Alice in Wonderland retelling, if shit went down in Wonderland, that was Wonderland's problem. And right. it's the same way in the original story. Like if 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 somebody set off an atomic bomb in Wonderland, the real world probably won't even know it. Whereas if shit goes sideways in Wonderland, in my Wonderland, it's gonna have 
our world consequences. And if you actually manage to destroy the other one, probably gonna as close to possible destroy the second one. Like they are two sides of the same coin. You can't melt one side without melting the other. So I think that's where the biggest difference is, and that's why I say it's more of a reimagining instead of a retelling, is because Carol's Wonderland and all of the iterations of Wonderland since that I've read, if it happens in Wonderland, then it sucks to be you people who are from Wonderland. I'm fine here, you know. If it happens in my Wonderland, we're all bones. Somebody needs to do something about it. Yeah, that's what I liked about it. That's what I felt. That's what I think Lewis Carroll would like about it. I mean, because if anybody's read this and they pay attention to the differences between what he did in the original Wonderland with Alice in the first one and then through the looking glass, he was much more about consequences and the impact Mm -hmm. falling on both sides of the glass. Yep. And I thought, I was like, okay, cool. This is purposeful. This isn't just Alice in Wonderland. This is all of Wonderland. She's pulling from all the canon to build this world. So those people who got mad because this wasn't Alice enough need to go back and finish reading Alice. Go back and reread the original too. I mean, yeah, read them all. What hung up a lot of people is they expected certain things to show up in certain ways. And outside of the Tweedles and the Duchess and Black Knight and the White Knight, the people who had their original names and Hatta, Hatta and not Hatter, other characters were there and other instances and references were there and they weren't like as obvious. The Looking Glass pub is a little less obvious, but it's there it is. It's the thing. And then you have Maddie who people are like, well, is she the Cheshire Cat? Is she the Dormouse? And I'm like, she falls asleep everywhere. She's 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 the dormouse. Clearly, and so they 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 don't know, you know. And they're like, okay, so where's the Cheshire cat? And I'm like, wait and see, you know, because people are like, oh, that's clearly him, or that's clearly her. And it, just because it's not super obvious at the time doesn't mean that it's not Wonderland. Like everything is there. I promise. It's just not the way that you remember it, which is what it says on the book. Right. But I thought it was great to have to kind of line things up. And I liked when it deviated. That's when it felt contemporary. That's when it felt fresh. That's when it felt like it was something beyond what you would get if you just went back and reread the original books. Because if you're just going to lay a map over the original book, I'm just going to read the Lewis Carroll. I don't need to read your book because he's already done that. How do you think this is going to translate when they put it on TV? Or how do you hope it translates when they put it on TV? Oh, man. Uh, what I'm hoping for, my blue sky, this would be everything I ever wanted, is, and I'm happy that it's going for TV and not a movie because there's chances that they won't have to, like, cut as much to make it work with TV as opposed to, like, you only get two hours and 20 minutes. Well, no, I get two seasons, so. I get two seasons minimum. Ah, So what I would want is to see it as close to the original material as possible but also including things that I had to pull out. Like where we have that three months after she meets him in the prologue. Mm-hmm. Oh, no I would love we to have see that. Episode that covers that. You know, and that's one of the, when we were talking about the time jump, it was like, yeah, but that's not when what we have to deal with in the story starts. Like it's, it's very, this is the monster of the day for the first year of her life, which is awesome. Or TV, because you have that with Sailor Moon, you have that with Power Rangers, and you like, that's fine for like the first six or seven episodes of a TV show. In a book, not so much. 
No, it gets okay. repetitive quickly. And thank you very much for not doing that because some people will do it. Yes, that's what I'm hoping is my sky blue hope is that they're able to pull as much as they're as from the books as possible. Um, that very little gets cut unless it's like this just doesn't translate, which happens. Like there are some things that just aren't going to translate to screen. Um, and I would love for them to be able to, okay, so what happened in this month? What happened in this year? I think they would be able to do more with some of the backstory as well. Um, like, we'd be able to get a better sense of Alice's relationship with her dad, you know? Mm-hmm. Because in the TV show, it would just be a flashback. Whereas with Alice, she doesn't like thinking about it. So she doesn't go there. So we don't get that, which I understand can be very frustrating from a reader sense. But Alice, if we're te- treating her like a real person, we all do that. There's stuff like there's this whole history with this person that I love, but that's still very fresh. I don't want to go there because if I go there, I'm gonna be there for a minute and it's a dark place, and we're gonna cry instead of close the world. So that, that's my hope is that they're able to build this first book into potentially both these. The book, the way that it's set up, is very visual because uh, that's how I write. Is if I can't see it in my head, then it's not going to make it onto the page because I can't make sense of it. Because that, that, that would be my goal, is that one book equals two seasons because they're able to put in everything that I want. That is part of the world building that I have notes about, but didn't make it onto the page. That brings me joy and happiness when you say things like, I have notes. That's the fear. Like, as a reader who's ecstatic that you got an option, because yay money, because it means you can keep writing, because I'm also, you know, yeah. greedy. <laughs> And I want more books. But also as a fan of television and film, I think this would be really good for episodic treatment. And to know that the writer understood, you know, there are certain things that can't translate into the book, but I'm not going to destroy these notes because, you know, the baby Jesus loves me. I might get a TV show and this would be great Mm -hmm. for episodic play. So do you have any hopes, dreams and wishes for who you think would be like your showrunner, your director? So if I could be like, uh, Lord, are you listening? Can you give me three? I would want Ryan Cooper to be involved just because of his elements in storytelling and in handling these familial and interpersonal sort of relationships. Because even the protagonist and antagonist, because I'm not even really going to call Killmonger a villain. He was just, he was the antagonist. And he wasn't even the main antagonist. It was Claw up until when Killmonger was like, you know, this is what I'm doing. Right. And had some of the best reasons for doing what he was doing in the history of antagonists. So in seeing things like that and, you know, in him being like, yeah, we just going to black it up. I'm here for that. 150%. I would also love just for that sort of suspense thing, if I could get like a, a, a touch of Shonda, like, you know, maybe she sort of glances in my direction a little bit and be like, well, you could do this, 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 and this. Okay, bye. And I'm like, yes, thank you, queen. Because I love, she does that whole big picture thing yeah. a lot better than a lot of people I've ever seen do And it. she has a hell of a um, way with a reveal. And you've got some really interesting yeah. reveals in here that I would, that I think that would be amazing. And she's like, well, you can X, Y, Z this and cliffhanger this episode. And everybody, I hate you for a week, but they'll come back next week. You're welcome. Yes. Yeah. 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 I can see sort of that. Thing. I would, that's what I would want her. I would want her for the suspense and for, you know, the emotional drive behind a lot of it. And if I had to pick a third, see, this is where I'm like, can I have four? Because uh, I really love leaning into uh, Lena Waite and her deal with humor and humanity. 
Um, and I'm also a huge fan of Ava DuVernay's visual, how she just, how she sees it and she brings it to life. Yeah. Anybody so who can if, turn if, an entire house into a diorama and make you forget that you're looking at a set and do a blowout. I'm like, really? That's what you're just yeah. going to start the movie? That's where I'm at. Is like, if, if I could be like, hey, you guys, you know, money's not an option. These four people work together to bring this that that would be it and i know that ava and shonda that they do tv with you know like i mean shonda that's what she does and ava branching out with queen sugar like that and lena she does tv as well and i think ryan's the only one who i think so far has been almost exclusively filmed yeah but yeah that would be like my whole thing i have people like well do you have people that you would want to play your characters and i'm like well no because the way books work if i start writing a book and i'm like i want this person to be my character by the time the book comes out that's 10 years older which is literally what happened so i don't make characters i think of people i want to be involved like i want janelle nomade to work on the soundtrack that, oh god yeah i would want her to because she has that whole that's what she calls her production is wonderland and she talks about alice and going down the rabbit hole like i feel like she gets what i'm going for here and i would want her you know just like you know for her to do the music the type of thing i think about when i'm like i don't want this actor or that actress i don't have any control over any of it so i'm not even going to get that deep into it i want to think about these are the people who i want to have control over it this is who i would trust with and be able to fall asleep at night knowing full well it's gonna be right yeah well even if you don't get those specific people putting that thought out there into the hands of the people who are developing this who do make those decisions gives them an idea of the sensibility behind it if they want it to be successful you know because if those are the things that were impacting the way that you wrote the book and they liked it enough to option it and want to turn it into a television show it behooves them to listen to you for what were the things that come to mind when you're thinking about it episodically or just visually or sound wise and if you need someone to like sign a position i'm perfectly okay with every single person you just listed that just brings me joy (laughs) to think about buying this soundtrack as done by janelle monet let alone watching it i mean it's like i love justin cronin's trilogy the the um that starts with the passage and i was very very hesitant to get excited when they announced it was going to be on tv and I, I was like, really? How are you going to do? It's like 900 years. Where y'all going to start? I mean, <laughs> who's going to be the protagonist? And like the showrunner who got involved with that show came up with a way to make it something that could drive a TV show without sacrificing what was vital to the storytelling in the written materials. And so you giving them a list of people who you think can do that same thing for these books, I think is smart. And like, I watched the first trailer for it and they used the placebo version of running up that hill. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna watch this. Cause just like tying those two things together. I'm like, someone as a part of this has a great sensibility of the movement of these stories and this character, just from the choices they made of the scenes they showed you and the song they put to underwrite it. I was like, somebody, I feel safer now. And, you know, so I understand that just even as a a viewer, why that would make sense. And these are your babies, so... It is. And there's that point where it's like, you know, I signed my rights away. So I don't have an official say, like, I can't be like, no, and they have to listen to me. Like you said, it behooves them to do so. Um, But I do. They did ask these questions. They were like, if you could have anybody, who would it be? And I told them these people and I told them, you know, Danelle Monet for the soundtrack. 
And for like composer, I would want uh, Raman Dwadi. He's the guy who he he does the Game of Thrones music. Like that opening theme is just like I love the opening theme to Game of Thrones. Yeah. I haven't seen more than three episodes, but I love the <laughs> opening theme to Game of Thrones. He was also the guy who did the music for the very first Iron Man. Yep. Like he did that. He also did Pacific Rim, which is another science fiction fantasy film that I like. The first one. I like the one with uh, John Boyega in it, but I love the first one. And he did that music, and those, and so I'm just like, these are, these are the people, and it just so happens that all of these people are black and brown. I just, I'm here for that. It's, yeah. it's what I want. I, I think we need to just get to a point to where, like, you had logically related reasons that had to do with their talent and their skill sets. I don't. It's really annoying that it gets reduced to, oh, she just wants to hire black and brown people. First of all, there's nothing wrong with wanting to hire black and brown people. Some of the most creative MFs in the world are black and brown. But you, yep. but like everything that you said about who came to mind for who you saw makes logical sense, especially after you've read the book. And like, you know, you need someone who can handle Alice with care, but you also need someone who understands fight choreography and how to yep. capture movement on a screen. You need someone who understands the emotional impact of familial and friend relationships and treats them with just as much respect as you would treat a romantic or a potential romantic relationships. Because I know you know as well as I do, you watch some TV that's based based off things that you've read and you're like why are they stressing the romance it's the love story is not that this is more important to the love story when are we gonna get here and it's because they don't right. treat the all of the relationships as having of equal importance and value so it's absolutely vital that you say something and make sure they are aware that they have someone who's going to understand those points and beats and when you're telling yeah. them who you would like to be associated with the show in that respect it'll inform who they bring on to write your scripts and your episodes Yep. So I like the way you think. Well, that's that's where where I am. It's like these are people that I would trust, and I would be able to. Y'all wouldn't have to call me for a thing unless you wanted to. You wouldn't ever see me. I mean, I would want to come and watch, but I wouldn't be like emailing you. Hey, how did you do this? Hey, how did you? Do this? I would feel absolutely fine with the decisions that are being made. Yeah. Like I I would I would then watch the first episode, waiting to see, just like everybody else. You know. So. Yeah. Hopefully they would show it to you before us. But yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But that's why I read a lot more. And that's why I like it when people write books that I like and are willing to sit around and have a nice kiki about their books with me. But I am going to put in a request for the second book, A Dream So Dark, because I really <laughs> love this one. And I need to know what happens next. You see, you're laughing again. You're giggling. You did that giggle. I don't know if I can trust you. I can't trust you. you can try, okay. 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 It, 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 it'll be recoverable. Like, we'll all be able to get up and do what we got to do the next day, mm -hmm. as long as that next day is a Saturday. See? Okay. That's not fair. <laughs> you know good and darn well this is going to come out on a Tuesday. I'm not waiting till a Thursday <laughs> or a Friday to read it. So what you just told me is my week is about to be fucked up when I finish the second book. You said it much more professionally and tactfully, but what I heard was you about to fuck up my week. I make no promises and I have no regrets. Uh-huh. You can neither confirm nor deny that I should rearrange my schedule September 29th ish. That's that's what I believe we have it set for the 24th. Oh, so you're going to drop a that's book that's going to mess up my head the day after my birthday. I see how you are. I see how you are. <laughs> so I'm sorry, uh -huh. not sorry. Yeah, you ain't got to, you giggled too much to even make that work. Every time I mention that I don't know if I'm ready for this, you just start giggling. So you ain't sorry. Don't lie. It's fine. It's fine. 
September 24th. I'm sorry that I'm not sorry. How about that? <laughs> okay. I will take that because there's nothing else. <laughs> but September 24th, 2019, um, uh-huh. you can expect that if you got me jacked up, that I'm going to have words for you. I'm just, I'm just saying right now, I'll probably finish it that night. Because I sat down to read the synopsis of A Blade So Black when it got to my house. And six hours later, I stood up and I was done. I ain't do nothing other of my actual work that day. So my editor wasn't <laughs> happy with you. But I was happy. But yeah, you basically tell me you about to jack up my birthday week. I see how you are. I see how you are. Mm-hmm. My bad. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And be sure to pick up a copy of A Blade So Black and check it out. And keep an eye out for announcements about the coming show. I'll be back soon with more book talk, interviews, and anything else I can convince people to sit down and talk to me about pretty soon.